Welcome back to the 16th Street Scanner. I'm AJ. That's Tyler. Tyler, how we doing? I am doing okay, AJ. You know, I got a little <laughs> bit of a okay. cold. Yeah. So sorry if uh, I cough or I sneeze. I'll do my best to stop that. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I- I'm just happy you're here and alive and able to to talk about uh, the Children's of Alabama Indy Grand Prix that... Uh, happened last weekend uh what'd you think of the race it was a good one scott mclaughlin run uh scott mclaughlin won um his first win of the year fourth different winner of 2023 um it's also his fourth career win which puts him on par with uh three of his contemporaries pato award marcus erickson and alex Pillow. um and it's the fourth different track he's run on or he's won on so uh uh kind of a big win for scott mclaughlin but but what did you make of the race uh off the bat i thought it was pretty exciting uh i didn't watch uh the f1 race i can't compare to be honest yeah. uh but uh definitely exciting there were a lot of improvements i noticed from the commentary team um and i thought they were mo- like it was i wish i had the time to go back and look more at the middle of the pack uh, mm-hmm. but I feel like we spent a lot of time during the race coverage with the lead because it was just so exciting. Yeah. Up front. Well, yeah. I mean, with the, with the varying strategies and everything, and I mean, there was action up front. You did have like, no one ran away at any point mm-hmm. like Pato did at Texas, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think with all the different s- strategies too, like there was never a point where the outcome seemed certain, even though it wasn't like a, I mean, there was a lot of passing, like it was a good quality race. Um, but like the fact that we, you didn't know what, how everything was going to pan out, I think mm-hmm. added quite a bit to the viewing experience, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like the battle between uh, Romain Grosjean and Scotty Mack was mm-hmm. uh, that was really exciting to me. And if especially after St. Pete and they did a good job of like bringing that up and reminding people like this is why this is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I'm so happy that Grosjean didn't win. Uh, <laughs> like you know, the first half of the race, I was just like, oh my gosh, here we go. Uh, but I was rooting against him. Uh, and and I think he still proved to be the driver he is, which is overly aggressive, and, and like. Just he's a good driver, obviously. He wouldn't be up there. He wouldn't be where he is. Uh, but like it felt like I was watching Max Verstappen uh in IndyCar form. Well, see, when you say that, that tells me that you like it's both a it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Is that what well, you're yeah, saying? Yeah, it yeah, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Like well, yeah, you gotta have someone to hate. Yeah, um, he's aggressive, but like 
Max Verstappen is also probably like the best young driver. Yeah. At least at the very least on the F1 grid. It's just very arguably in the world. I I just think Grosjean gets away with stuff just like Max does. Um, Yeah. You know, and it it was uh, it, it was a different experience watching it this time around, I guess have having a few races under my belt uh mm-hmm. and getting to know them a bit more uh mm-hmm. but it, still learning for sure do you think he wins at some point this year probably um how mad are you gonna be uh you know i'll accept <laughs> it i will <laughs> i will i'll be perfectly okay with it uh <laughs> but if he wins like it, i don't know i'm gonna criticize him right because he's probably mm-hmm. gonna He's probably going to die bomb someone. He's probably going to just be overly aggressive. Where did his, uh, they talked about this on the broadcast and I still don't really know. Uh, where did his push to pass go? Was he burning it fighting off? I don't know. Uh, I've like, I saw some theories online. Um, I don't know if he like used it all and his dash didn't show that like, I don't know how it works. I don't know if they show like you can see the number in the car. Yeah. Like, how many seconds you have left. I know we can see it watching the broadcast. I I feel like if it just vanished out of nowhere and like all of a sudden the system wasn't working like that would be a, a bigger deal. And we would have heard about that. I feel like he just used it all and didn't realize it. And we weren't paying it like on the broadcast. They weren't paying attention to him. Mm-hmm. And he just burnt through all of it really quick. And by the time we came back to him, he was out. Yeah. Which it was weird because he did have a ton. Yeah. Yeah. It was like 140 seconds or something. Yeah. Uh, And I can't remember at what point that it, you know, became clear that he didn't have any left. Was it after McLaughlin had passed him for the lead again already? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was, Uh, which could, could explain it. Right. You know, Uh, Mm -hmm. he's fighting, but yeah, it, it was, was just trying to run him down and ran through it all quick. It was just weird, man. I, I was like, that caught me off guard. Uh, uh, when they pan back, and like, oh, yeah, he has nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's weird, too, because like in Long Beach, I mean, granted, he, I think he was saving fuel, but he had a ton left. It feels like he forgets that he has it almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't understand the whole strategy behind that stuff, uh, but I'm sure it's complex. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to ask you, do you think he is the top driver at Andretti right now and for the rest of the season? Do you like do you think he's number their number one driver at this point? Uh, well, can we go through the Andretti drivers then? Because I got to admit, I don't have the I use that photo. Uh, uh, that that IndyCar put out early on in the season. I Uh always reference it, uh, and I I don't have it readily available. So you have Roman Grosjean, Colton Herta, Kyle Kirkwood, Devlin DeFrancesco. Oh, he Devlin's the best. Uh, no, (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, it's probably Colton. You think so? I think Colton's better than Roman. I mean, I do too. But like, I mean, Grosjean's had the better year so far. In in I mean, he's been competitive more often than Colton Hurd has been competitive. He's also leading in points. Um, I so feel I like know. I feel like Colton Hurd is kind of under siege right now. He's definitely underperforming. I would say. I, I feel yeah. like there's been some weird strategy calls. Didn't he? 
was he the guy who pitted real early this one around? Um, he, I, I can't remember if he was trying to make the two stop. I think he was trying to make the two stop work and he mm-hmm. just couldn't like he burned through the tires too quick and just couldn't make it happen. And I think he kind of bailed late and went opted for three for a three stop strategy. And it was like too late at that point. He had okay. given up too much time. Um, which when I feel I, like that's a valid criticism of Colton Herta is that he's rough on tires. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel like he's always complaining about it. But like, what driver isn't? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the part of being a driver is that you have to complain about everything. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I was actually thinking of New Garden, uh, who pitted pretty early. Uh, it was oh, interesting yeah. to see like the different pit pit stop strategies in this. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of funny at one point really early in the race. They said, you know, they did the little graphic pit stop strategy on the score bug. Mm-hmm. And it said for everyone, it just said two to three, two to three, two to three. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing I would like to see is like some sort of way to track what strategy everyone is on. Yeah. Because during the middle of the race, unless you have somehow taken a mental note of every single driver in the field. You don't know, or at least every once in a while, you know how that like they'll show like laps since last pit stop or whatever. I would appreciate if every once in a while they just flash like number of pit stops. Yeah. Like at a certain point in the race, you'd be able to tell like if they're trying to stretch it into just two or whatever, but yeah, they do it in uh, F1, but they got that Bezos money. It's probably just Jeff sitting behind the keys, you know. <laughs> probably. He's pulling the strings on everything. Anyway, I mean, do, do you enjoy these kind of strategy-heavy races as a newer newer fan? I mean, I know it's like a lot of F1 is strategy-based. There's not a yeah. ton of on-track overtakes, but is this something you enjoy? watching i mean i enjoyed i enjoy it to an extent um i'm trying to think of what like the alternative is because in my mind it's hard for me to separate strategy from like you know pure like driver performance Mm -hmm. um i i will say this one guard uh his overtakes this race were like insane to me i loved watching that (laughs) and i didn't think that was pit stop strategy well maybe on one of them but uh I thought that was just pure skill and I like there. I wasn't, you know, flipping a table, but I was like, Holy crap. I, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you, I mean, he was impressive before we get to that. I do want to, do you think that the three stoppers got bailed out by that yellow? Like, do you think because they kept the pits open, this was kind of the, the thing I saw a lot of people talking about. I didn't get to watch the start of the race live. And I just checked in on Twitter while I was, you know, out with some friends and, Everyone was talking about the yellow flag. Like, do you like do you think they got bailed out? Because I think they kind of got bailed out. Yeah, definitely got bailed out. But like, that's just I feel like that's just part of how it goes sometimes, you know. Um, yeah. Nothing you can really do about it when uh, Stingray Rob gets beached. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I yeah, I'm, I I like this. I think what made this a good race is that you did have. It, it it helps for strategy race when there's different strategies. Yeah. Like if everyone's on yeah. the same strategy and they're all trying to save fuel, yeah, it can get kind of boring. And like if the highlight of the race is some someone trying to overtake or, or the the undercut or the overcut, mm. um 
it can get kind of boring, but aside from those like two in and out laps, but yeah, I, I mean, I personally, I enjoy some of these like more strategic races that aren't heavy on, on track overtakes, but yeah, still kind of have them interspersed. Yeah. It feels like, uh, I don't know. I'm using my brain more when I'm watching, I guess, <laughs> or I'm like <laughs> listening to uh-huh. what what the strategists are saying when we do get cued into their uh, comms and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, one you know, like speaking of pit stops, uh, this is just something I noticed, and I don't know why it annoyed me. Uh, but why do do you, are you? I'm sure you have no idea why this exists. But why do the guys who wave the the pit crew guys who wave in the cars, why do they always, a lot of them put their foot on the tire? I don't know. That's, I have no clue. I feel like that gives an opportunity to mess up that tire on accident. You know, I, I have <laughs> never thought about that once in my entire life. And I will probably think about that every time <laughs> I see like that shot of, from like the far end of pit lane watching every car come in. I will probably think about that forever now. I mean, it makes them like stick I, out, but but if everyone's doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I genuinely have no clue. No yeah. idea. It's just like, you know, they treat those tires like gold sometimes. And then all of a sudden this guy's just like stepping on it. I don't know. We we don't have to spend too much time on that because it's all. <laughs> I feel like weird. they're pretty robust. I feel like they could handle that. I would yeah, hope. Maybe. I mean, because you're, yeah. you're running 220 miles an hour sometimes <laughs> on those tires. You think someone could put their like that's a that's a whole heck of a lot more force than just one yeah. guy with his like half his body weight <laughs> at the front half of his foot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think the tires are going to be fine, but still, uh, it's just something I noticed. It's interesting. Yeah, I've never noticed that before, and now I'm gonna see. I'm gonna think about that every time. Yeah. Do you think do you think they should leave the pits open? Yellow? This has been a point of conversation for years amongst the IndyCar community. But like during a yellow, because that was kind of the whole thing that helped out the three stoppers because they were all able to come in. They got one past handful of years because people would get upset that they would close the pits right as yellow came out. If it's not like an unsafe situation. <laughs> they'll leave the pits open for one lap before they throw the yellow to give everyone a chance to come in and pit. Cause then it kind of like negates the, mm-hmm. the like total lottery of like a yellow coming out at the complete wrong time. Yeah. Uh, but, like what's your take on that? Cause F1, they leave them open. They, I don't know if they ever close the pits in F1. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think I would rather them leave it open. Yeah. Um, just so that you get rid of that. Uh, I mean, you're only limiting the variable though, right? Because people are still going to be able to pit earlier than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, to close it off entirely. Why do they close it off entirely? What's the rationale behind that? Just to... I don't know if it's like a safety thing or what. I mean, I, I don't think they used to do it. I think it was a relatively new thing like early 2000s maybe or like late 90s i don't know exactly mm-hmm. when they started doing it but i don't remember like watching as a kid i mean granted it was they were running ovals mostly so it was a little different like you couldn't get caught out if you stayed out longer than everyone else it was almost the opposite 
Mm. And I mean, it still is the opposite, like at Texas or Indy, for example, or Iowa, especially where it's, you know, you're losing two or three laps when you pit under green. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't remember when they started doing that or why, but. Mm. Well, especially with like, you know, fuel being a factor, I think they, I feel like they have to leave the pits open. Uh, Well, that. I, I mean, I, I think I watched the race that you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure it's happened more than once, but uh, well, that was when... like 2021, the Indy 500. Yeah, I, I'm, I know you've watched that. That's when yeah. Dixon, I think. Oh, it was Dixon and Rossi both got caught out. Granted, that was a wreck that ended up in pit lane. So it was a little different situation, but the pits would have closed anyway. Mm-hmm. And it was like right at the end of the pit window. And so rossi and dixon both couldn't stop and we're going to run out of fuel so they had to come in and you can come in and top off to get basically have enough gas to get around to the stop at the end of the yellow but i mean it ruined their race both yeah. of them like they were out of it after that so i don't know like i kind of like the randomness sometimes like mm. I feel like it's just like that little wrinkle because it doesn't happen every race. And sometimes it works the opposite way where like, you know, maybe someone's going to pull off a crazy strategy win that like was n- by no means the fastest car of the day. Mm-hmm. And like it works out that like just the way the yellows fall. I don't know. I kind of yeah. like that aspect of it. You know, like honestly, I, I don't think I'm educated enough to have a real good opinion on it. And I don't really care what the rules are as long as they're applied consistently because uh, yeah. in, other, in other motorsport, that's not happening. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. very true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have been, I mean, like, I think everyone knows that's kind of the deal now. It's been a handful of years that they've been doing that where they'll leave it open for about a lap and give everyone like one shot, which again, kind of negates the the randomness, but yeah, I don't know. I was just curious <laughs> what you thought about that from yeah, not, from an not an outsider's perspective, but if it feels, you know, it's a good question to ask. I think certainly IndyCar needs to be thinking about that as they try and market themselves towards a bigger audience, mm-hmm. uh, which seems like it's becoming more and more apparent that that's the strategy. So yeah, I, I mean that's never not the strategy, right? But like <laughs> it's more, it feels direct. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it definitely does feel like they're kind of F1 kind of took it to them there for a handful of years. And I feel like they're finally trying to granted COVID kind of threw a wrench and everything. But um, and I feel like COVID is kind of why F1 kind of grew in popularity, especially with Drive to Survive yeah. coming out right before. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I do. I do feel like they're finally trying to, like, get serious about it, which is good. I mean, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. To see that, and we can we can talk about hundred days to indie after we 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 talk about Barber because that came out last week too, which yeah, is a yeah. big deal, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you feel like you're? I mean, it's it's probably hard for you to say just because you are trying to to like be t- in tune with what's going on a lot more than you probably would have if yeah. you weren't doing a podcast <laughs> <laughs> about it. But like, do you feel like you're seeing more and hearing more about it? About IndyCar, uh, you know, nah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> when I talk to other people who don't, like, I, I talk to other F1 fans, mm-hmm. 
you know, they might hear something about IndyCar now and then, but it's mm-hmm. never like no one's coming up to me and like, oh man, did you see Grosjean this weekend? Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I find myself pitching it to people mm-hmm. uh, more often because it's just they they don't understand the difference and they don't understand what IndyCar is. They think it's more like NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, hey, this is basically this is similar. It's open wheel racing. <laughs> it's better. <laughs> it's local. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's something well, about that. Welcome to my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I've been, this is 20, this is going to be my, not my 20th Indy 500, but 20th anniversary of my first Indy 500 this year. And I've, yeah, I've been like trying to explain it to people that entire time and <laughs> no one gets I've, it. I've known you for like, uh i don't know uh 14 years 13 years or something mm-hmm. uh and i didn't really care about indycar until like <laughs> last year maybe <laughs> uh so yeah i can understand that yeah yeah i mean it's i'm glad someone else is trying to i'm well i'm glad they're trying to put in the effort because they haven't been granted there were some dire times there for a little while but yeah i'm glad someone's trying to get the word out i don't know in my opinion it's the best racing on the planet and what one thing i always just scrolling through twitter you know reading news i always do find myself thinking like eventually all these f1 new f1 fans are going to realize that f1 is like the worst (laughs) actual on track product out there the off track stuff cannot be topped you cannot beat the the drama and like the interpersonal battles, especially between teammates mm-hmm. in F one, because it is so car based. Yeah, there's always going to be that stuff. Yeah, like yeah. you cannot you cannot divorce that from. That's what some people really what like F1 about is. F one though they like the design part of it and they like the yeah uh you know funding in certain aspects uh it's yeah. not all just like off track drama that people love I think it you know I I think the design aspect is cool but like mm-hmm. uh at the end of the day you're right I feel like it does make it just a very very uh car based racing so yeah yeah and I. I mean, I get that too. Like, it is interesting to me who's, especially at the beginning of the year, who's going to have the best car this year, especially like last year when there were new regulations. Um, The thing about that is I think people who are interested in that stuff would have already been aware and like know about IndyCar just because they're car people. So they're going to be, whether it's top of mind or not, it's still going to be on their radar probably. They're probably going to have heard of it. They've definitely heard of the Indy 500. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I, It's just, yeah. I, I think the growth is all in that interpersonal stuff that the, the, the storylines and the, the drama. Yeah. You know, well, that, that's the thing. The once TV you unlock, show, they got to have drama. Once you unlock the storyline, that's all sports is in my mm. mind. Uh, once you Absolutely. can tap into that, the sport becomes way more interesting. I don't know if IndyCar really does that that well. 
I thought they did no. a great job this race with Pato and Dixon mm-hmm. and Scotty and um uh Grosjean. Yeah, see, I'm just eliminated from my brain. <laughs> um yeah. Uh so I think they're building that storyline, but you know, sometimes you, you have to find that stuff, you know, it's not just gonna always appear. Yeah. Well, and that's that's where they need to get better is putting that stuff in front of people. And I they haven't had that good. I mean, there's been some things here and there over the years, but nothing that's really it's always kind of just seemed like, oh, they're all racers, they all kind of like each other. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. Um chummy. Yeah. They're chumming around. Yeah. They're doing podcasts together. Uh, yeah. Which uh, I'm sure that like the F1 paddock is more like that than oh yeah they let on i don't think there are i don't think pierre gasly and esteban ocon like hate each other you know mm-hmm. or like lando and and danny ricardo like <laughs> i don't think there's a whole yeah, lot no. of like actual friction going on there but for marketing's sake <laughs> yeah i mean they're... like pretend <laughs> <laughs> they're professionals they're going out there getting their job done yeah i think the dixon pato stuff seems to be kind of real uh yeah. <laughs> you know i from what they were talking about uh re-race and stuff where dixon's just, just kind of pissed uh rightfully yeah. so and pato was right there again almost ruining his race uh so yeah well we didn't talk about that too much after long beach but like Pato definitely got away with one there because, yeah, in my opinion, that was a totally late move. Should have gotten penalized for it. So I would love to see that develop because that's a good, like, young, mm-hmm. hot shot, old, established veteran. Adding that aspect to it, I think, is good too. So I hope that that gets played up the rest of the year. I hope there's a little more, uh, a little more on track interaction too, would be nice. Yeah, no, I would like to see a rack, man. <laughs> Get out of yeah. the car, yelling at each other. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see at the 500 because, I mean, they've Dixon had the best car last year until he got busted for that speeding penalty and Pato finished second. So I would not be surprised if they find both find themselves up at the front of the field at the end of the race this year at the 500. So hopefully that would then snowball throughout the rest of the season where – yeah. End up where we have both of them kind of in the thick of things, not too happy with each other, not giving each other any ground. Now, yeah. and especially with Pato, as, as much as he seems to be developing his own fan base, that would be huge. Mm-hmm. Moving on, I do, I do want to, we didn't really talk about Scott McLaughlin much, even though he won the race. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and kind of similar question to what I asked you about Grosjean, like, is, is McLaughlin number one at Team Penske right now? Like I can't tell. I'm I'm torn if it's McLaughlin or if it's Newgarden or if it's Will Power. I can't I can't decide. Well, Will Power almost had it too. You know, like that was a really shocking. Uh, <laughs> like he just came out of nowhere for me. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I should clarify that the the top five behind Scott McLaughlin, Romain Grosjean finished second, Will Power third to to round out the podium. Pato Award finished fourth, and then Alex Pillow finished fifth. Um, but yeah, yeah, Will Power kind of came out of nowhere. I think I think Scott McLaughlin is uh, is the best driver. Um, think so? Yeah, seems like it, man. He just keeps performing at 
really good level. I mean, it's, it's so weird. It's, I feel so wrong saying that because Joseph Newgarden is so good and he's been so good even before he got to team Penske. Like, yeah, I like Newgarden. Don't get me wrong. You could tell he was very, very talented. And then as soon as you got him in a top team, he won, like he won the title his first year Mm -hmm. at team Penske. Um, and like he won five races last year, but he also crapped the bed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A lot. And I mean, he's already had a couple weeks this year. I mean, granted, St. Pete, that was mechanical, so that's not his fault. I Whether or not him and Rosenquist, the contact was Newgarden's fault or Rosenquist's fault this week, that's hard to say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, how do you say, and then also like last year's champion, how do you say Scott McLaughlin is better than both a two-time champ? Well, I guess two two two-time champs, including last year's champion. And the guy who finished second last year. Like, how do you say that? It's just what he's doing, man. I, don't I know. know. That's what I don't. That's <laughs> it's the just right part. now. It's just right now. He's got it. You know, uh, it's a long season. Uh, so things can change, but he seems to be hot. So he is. I, yeah. It's, and maybe I, he's the next man up, man. Like, you know, yeah. it happens all the time in sports where a guy, everyone was like, uh, oh man, Carlos Correa, he's leaving the Astros. What are they going to do? Then Jeremy Pena came up and just, you know, he filled that role probably yeah. even better. So sorry to get into baseball, but that next man yeah. up mentality exists everywhere. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy with the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Football fans out there. I don't, yeah, I have no equivalent for our Swedish fans. I don't know anything about Swedish sports. Um, yeah, I don't know either. Um, uh, let us know. Yeah, I would love to hear from our Swedish. Yeah, our Swedish fans. You don't even have to type it in English. You know, we'll do it. We'll figure it out. We'll do the work for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, but the other thing, too, is like until this week, McLaughlin had won a race. Newgarden had won a race. Will Power had not. But like, it still feels like McLaughlin is number one at the team. I don't Mm. it's it's put my brain in a pretzel. Is basically well, it was cool. I'm not. I'm not trying to transition to yeah, uh, 100 days indie, but it was cool how they were talking about Scott in that show and how he's coming from supercar racing. It kind of put me in a different perspective of mm-hmm. understanding, like that he's you know he's new to open wheel racing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, did so you... I respect it. I don't know. Sorry. Did you see, so there's this NASCAR driver, Landon Castle, who, I mean, was never like super good, um, was tweeting about how NASCAR drivers are like the most versatile in the world. In the world, I saw that. You yeah. did? Yeah. <laughs> Scott McLaughlin took exception to that, <laughs> which I feel like if anyone is qualified to take exception to it, it's him. Yeah. Because... Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, do you know anything about supercars, the Australian supercars? I, I know very, like, close to nothing. <laughs> they're, they're a lot closer. They're like stock cars almost. And yeah. I, they used to be V8s. I don't know if they are anymore. But they're just like big, heavy cars. But they're pretty much like they run on street circuits. They don't run ovals or anything. Mm. Um. And that's where Scott McLaughlin came from. He ran over there for a handful of years. 
Um, team Penske actually bought into a team there that Scott McLaughlin was on essentially to bring Scott McLaughlin over into Indy, into the IndyCar team at some point. Um, but yeah, I feel like if anyone is qualified to like take exception to that, it's him because he was essentially racing NASCARs in an all street circuit series and immediately came over and within two years was winning races. And then you look at a guy like Jimmy Johnson who won seven NASCAR championships, not to take away anything from Jimmy Johnson or NASCAR in general. Like I do appreciate it. It's its own art, Mm -hmm. so to speak. But I mean, he was like DFL (laughs) pretty much anytime he got in the car. Yeah. So anyway, we don't. Yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but uh, you know, I don't want to knock NASCAR. There's a reason I don't watch it. Um, (laughs) So I'll just leave it at that. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. I totally derailed. So do you want to go on Indy Light or not Indy Light? Sorry. 100 Days to Indy. Did you want to talk about Lungard still? Yeah, we can talk about Lungard. So Lungard had uh, two overtakes. His overtake on Dixon in lap 32 was, you know, you had a question earlier uh, for me mm-hmm. uh, off the air. Was the uh, was the Grosjean pass the pass of the year mm-hmm. for the overtake? Uh, for me, I felt like the Lungard overtake of Dixon was better than that. <laughs> uh, it was cleaner, that's for sure. It was yeah. The thing about Grosjean, I kept watching him, especially at the end. He was losing. I mean, he took that wide turn, mm-hmm. and that's why he lost basically. And then I felt like he was just doing that turn after turn after turn. Didn't have grip. He was struggling in a turn five there for whatever reason. It it looked sloppy. Um, yeah. So for me, like I don't know why. Uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, F one has it patented or something. Driver of the day. But, uh, you know, I think driver of the day would be a nice little add to this. And if I were to do it, I would have given it to Lungard mm-hmm. uh, just because he's someone I didn't expect. And it's yeah. uh, Ray Hall Letterman, Ray Hall Letterman like, racing. Yeah. Yeah. Ray Hall Letterman that, Lanigan. Sorry. Lanigan. Lanigan. Thank you. So it was cool to see, uh, you know, we talked about those guys, uh, that team last year or not last year, last week. And uh mm-hmm it's good to see them step up a little bit. I don't know. I can't even remember where one guard finished, but he had uh, some good racing. He finished sixth. There you um, go, baby. Yeah. He, I mean, he had a really good solid day. Um, yeah. I mean, past Scott Dixon and Alex blow on track. I mean, in pretty like definitive, like, I mean, he essentially bullied them. <laughs> <laughs> like just bullied him out of the way, not in an aggressive way, but like showed him who's boss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, my, yeah, I mean, you know what my problem is with that Grosjean overtake? Yeah, it's that if uh, Scotty Mac doesn't get out of the way, if he doesn't peel out, then they're just gonna crash. Yeah. Well, what I would have loved to have seen was Scotty Mac just like run him so wide out of. Is that 13? The the second to last corner, the yeah. right hander before the left hander onto the, the the pit straight. I would have loved to have seen him just run him into the wall there, just totally run him out of track. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But like, yeah. if he does that, the race is over, you know. Uh, and he didn't, and he won. So, but goes to him for that. But yeah, 
Jeez, man. Uh, no, that. How can you even ask me that, AJ? That's the pass of the year. Well, I don't. I saw online someone was saying that it was the pass of the year. I didn't agree either, but I wanted to okay. throw that out there because okay. I, I wasn't sure if I would just you know was being yeah. too cynical or if I was biased because it's Romain Grosjean. Nah, that's just some chucklehead on the internet. Yeah. Just being in Dumbo. But uh yeah, you know, um I really liked what it saw on guard. Maybe he's the guy I start following, uh start rooting for, or one yeah. of them. Um I, th- uh, you know. I think he's I mean, he's still pretty young. He's Got a lot of room to grow. Who knows? I'm wondering at this point it, how long he is going to be at Ray Hall and Letterman Land again. Yeah. Because, I mean, granted, he did finish six with them yesterday, but I mean, overall, it doesn't seem like they're kind of figuring their stuff out, mm-hmm. which is a real shame. I would love to see them do well, as I've said many times before. Um, but yeah, I, I would not be surprised. I don't know what his contract situation is. I would not be surprised if he gets poached at some point within the next couple of years, because I think he is a real talent. He obviously has the chops. He, like I said, he passed Dixon and Plo on track with authority. Um, Yeah. Ho- hopefully yeah. he keeps going, man. Uh, and hopefully he just was big David Waterman fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah, that could be that could be something. I don't know. I mean, he's he's Danish. I don't know how big David Letterman was in Denmark, but yeah, but uh, David Letterman, he's big everywhere. Um, <laughs> it's, I'm sure it does seem like it would match up well with the Scandinavian crowd, like the David Letterman humor. Yeah, Very, you know, kind of dry. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, um, but. Uh, predictions you know in terms of our predictions for this race i don't think any of us uh, i don't think we hit any no we had cal mild on the podium didn't happen no. new garden win didn't happen groshan dnf i wish it happened uh definitely was, did not happen it was close um hello for the win is what you had felix on the podium and then stingray rob in the top 10 uh but unfortunately Stingray Rob still needs to learn how to finish a race. So, yeah. Well, I mean, this was another one that wasn't really his. Fault. It wasn't his fault. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm hoping for him. Um, he can, you know, not yeah, just solid right. day, at least at the NDGP, if not the 500, I'm sure at the 500, that would be, I mean, for him, his goal at the 500 should be to finish even if it's not on the lead lap, like his goal should be to finish. And that would be like a great accomplishment for him. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, yeah. Tough start to the season for Stingray Rob, um, which is unfortunate. Hate to see a rookie struggle like that, but. And it's weird because like, I can't tell if he has pace or not. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Like you can't tell if he could actually perform if, if the situation was different. Yeah, well, he's always at the back of the pack. Um, yeah, and you know, maybe rightfully so, but it's just uh, it's hard to get that that footage, that coverage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know where to go to watch Stingray Rob unless he's you know, yeah, in a wall. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of coverage, 
what I was very upset about, well, not upset. That's, I mean, that's over-exaggeration. But, like, why did it take four laps for them to address that Felix Rosenquist spun and made contact with Joseph Newgarden on lap one, turn two, basically? Yeah, I don't know, but I guess they were just really, you know, fascinated with uh, <laughs> Rojan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes sense that their attention would be on the front of the field, but you can see him. You can yes. see him spinning yeah, in, in the, the shot. Yeah. It's something they should have picked up on um, yeah. maybe a little bit earlier. And, you know, it, I don't know how these things work in terms of production, mm-hmm. but I imagine a lot of the shots, uh, a lot of the conversation drives the shots. Mm-hmm. And if the conversation isn't on the spin, then the shots are going to yeah. come when someone says, hey, we should cover this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do want to give Felix a shout out, though, because he did end up finishing ninth after spinning and dropping to the very back of the pack. Um, And I think he he was on track to try for a two stopper. And obviously that kind of changed things for him Mm -hmm. um, and went to the three stopper. But yeah, I wish they had like spent a little more time following because, I mean, you don't end up in ninth from 27th passing a few guys like no i have yeah. no clue how he got there i don't I, mean, I, I don't think other than the spin i don't think they mentioned him at all i don't no. remember seeing anything about him i don't know if they even showed him yeah and i mean i i like felix a lot uh Me too. so it is weird that they didn't show him you know there yeah. might be a highlight out there by now you know where yeah. it's just like oh here's all of his passing yeah. um but he did just kind of pop up there. Uh, yeah. Which, I mean, good for him for a guy that's essentially driving for a ride next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw or not, uh, Marshall Pruitt for racer.com wrote a good kind of silly season roundup so far. Um, and it, th- it sounds like things are going to be crazy this year. Um, I think it just came out today, but. Uh, crazy McClare- in terms of turnover. Yeah, I mean, there's like, I mean, Romain Grosjean is up for a new contract. Um, Felix, Callum Eilat, Marcus Erickson, um, Graham Rahal, David Malukas. Um, and then he kind of mentioned a couple other people, um, including, I, I don't know if it's Linus or Linus, Linus Lundquist, who won Indy Lights last year, Oliver Askew, who drove for... McLaren, when they first came over, he was teammates with Pato in 2020 and um, got a concussion in the 500 and was kind of like not performing very well. And it was kind of a weird situation. And so anyways, he ended up without a ride and um, in 2021 and went over to Formula E for a little bit. And apparently he's kind of in the mix again, which I would love to see him back in because he was a he was great in the road to Indy in the in the mm-hmm. feeder series. Um they going to do like a musical chairs kind of thing or is it going to be more new blood coming in you think it sounds like a lot of musical chairs actually um and again if if you haven't read it it's by marshall pruitt it's on um it's on racer.com which i don't know if we've talked about this on here tyler but racer.com in my opinion is the best source for for indycar news um marshall pruitt is you know he's good from like a technical standpoint because he used to work on a IRL team back in the day. Um, but he's very well connected, kind of in the know on everything. 
Um, but the, the the article is titled Sizing Up a Bumper Crop of IndyCar Free Agents. Um, and it's because there are a ton of good drivers that are up, like as I previously mm-hmm. listed. Um, but yeah, it sounds like like Marcus Erickson has been self-funding his ride the past couple of years is and sounds like he's kind of done with that and wants to get paid. Mm. Um but in in Felix's situation in particular, apparently McLaren is tossing around the idea of going four cars full time, which would be big. But the caveat to that is it's not necessarily going to be Felix Rosenquist in that fourth seat because Alex Pillow um is it's not confirmed, but it's all but confirmed that Alex Pillow is going to McLaren last year, which I don't know if you remember hearing about all that last year where he signed a contract and it was announced that he was going to McLaren and then Chip Ganassi, or maybe I have that backwards. Maybe Ganassi announced that he had like resigned first. I can't mm-hmm. remember, but there was like, a, it went to court and then they settled out of court and it was kind of, you know, didn't get all the details, but um. Yeah, a little bit of a mix-up. Yeah. Well, then it happened with McLaren and F1 with Oscar Piastri. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, yeah, it was an interesting situation. So he's definitely taking Felix's seat. But yeah, do they end up with a fourth car is the question now at this point. And would he even be in that fourth car? What I mean, I feel like Felix, you think he's going to have a hard time finding a ride? There's a little, some guys at the back of the pack, like uh, Connor Daly. Um, well, the thing about Connor Daly, and like I like Connor Daly, he's great. You know, mm-hmm. he's a he's good from a publicity standpoint, in that he's you know, yeah, very marketable and well spoken and everything. But yeah, he is not getting it done on track. But he brings like he's the reason why they have Bit Nile on. Okay. All three of their cars. So I don't know if he's going anywhere. Okay. Um, if I think it's probably going to depend on how the 500 goes. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. that's been Ed Carpenter racing's MO the last couple of years is they're kind of no shows for the majority of the season, but they show up at the 500. And I don't know in terms of sponsorship money, if that's where, you know, if sponsors don't care if they're not around for the rest of the year, if they're still there for the 500, if they still get screen time. Cause I mean, the audience for the 500 is like four times a regular race. You know? Yeah. So I, I, I imagine these conversations are happening and I hope there are cameras behind the scenes covering some of these conversations. Speaking uh, of, yeah. <laughs> Take us there, Tyler. A hundred days to Indy premiered last Wednesday. Uh, yeah. There's going to be a new one tomorrow night. Because uh, we're recording this on May 3rd, but uh, it is, uh, you know, I, I would say it's their direct competitor to Drive to Survive, mm-hmm. uh, kind of. Uh, it seems it's so clearly smaller in scale. Yeah. Uh, but if these stories are there, especially if, you know, it seems like they're recording all this stuff like, you know, throughout, like it's pretty live, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you don't get that with Drive to Survive. Uh, no, I do like that it's kind of like almost that hard knock style, but I do want to grill mm-hmm. you on this, Tyler. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, uh, this show isn't for me. Like, I... Yeah. You know, I like, I watched 
the race, like I watched the races. I know what happened. I know I've been following the sport for however long. I know all the drivers. You have not. I mean, you've been mm-hmm. like vaguely aware, but like, what did you think? Did you learn anything? Definitely. Uh, yeah. I thought James Hinchcliffe gave a really good explanation of how the weekend kind of goes. I thought there were moments where they were kind of just talking about preparation uh, and that, you know, that's that kind of stuff. I thought it's probably like 80%. Here's the driver. 20% here's some like knowledge. Yeah. Uh, could it be a little bit more, you know, educational based? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, I don't think that it's going to sell as much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's a good thing. I think it's, you know, the show, I will continue to watch it because it really does expose me to uh, the driver's uh, personalities more than I mm-hmm. normally get used to. Uh, you know, I could kind of pick out who I like, who I'm a little weary of. Obviously, people on camera act differently. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's good to see that kind of behind the scenes stuff uh, mm-hmm. in, in a not a silver screen, but maybe, you know, <laughs> a 50 inch <laughs> screen. Um, it's like, it's good to see it on a format that's not YouTube. I'm not going to lie. I think that's a lot of it. Yeah. No. Well, that, I mean, that's good to hear. I mean, do do you feel like you got a good sense of like what the series is about? Uh, so yeah, that's a good question because it felt like the first 10 minutes was like, Hey, any 500 is really important. It, like we're going to bring you to it. And then it was kind of just like, you know, your name's in history forever. Page. Yeah. And then it was like, yeah, St. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of had that feeling, but yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. No, I don't think they I don't think they paid uh I don't know if they talked about it like, you know, like in hard knocks like we're going to go to the playoffs, we're going to win the Super Bowl, we're going to do mm-hmm. this. Like it wasn't like they weren't like checking off the box. It was just like Indy's coming up. Let's see how we perform. <laughs> yeah. Uh Yeah, I think they, they need to set the stage for Indy a little bit better mm-hmm. and maybe that's the season finale and it's, you know, like holy crap, they actually did cover this pretty well. Well, so I think the last episode is coming out like two weeks after the 500. Yeah. So I think the last episode will include include the 500, which is good. Um, But yeah, I I did. I kind of got that that came across to me while I was watching it, even though, you know, and I mean, like I, you know, I work in media. I have a kind of background in storytelling, so I probably pay attention to those things a little more than some people do. And I definitely picked up on that as someone who's like aware of the entire, like not the entire, but like, you know, who's very knowledgeable on the subject. Mm. Like I recognized that, yeah, there might be a little disconnect there. And I feel like that's something that maybe they need to work on. And it might heat up as it keeps going, but yeah, I mean, I think, the goal of that show is just to introduce people to the drivers. Mm-hmm. They're going to want you to watch the show and then mm-hmm. watch the Indy 500 and be like, oh, wow, I saw Joseph Newgarden with his baby and his weights. Mm-hmm. And there he is <laughs> on the on the track. Um, uh-huh. Which Joseph, he said it. I'm glad he said it in the doc. In the doc, not doc, doc drama. I don't know. Uh, he said it in the show. He's like, you know, I got to lose some weight. I'm too muscular. And I was like, yes, you are. <laughs> for, um, for a driver, definitely too muscular. Uh, it was weird. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he I, he is kind of a ham. I don't did, have you watched any of the Bus Bros stuff? No. I'd no interest in that. Me, yeah, I'm not like <laughs> I can't get into it. I I think I watched maybe like the first or second video that came out. Yeah, it's not I, it's not my thing, but I'll I'll give it a shot, but it, it seems kind of um uh fratty. Yeah. If not you know, if you're in a fraternity, that's your thing. I get that, but it's just like sometimes I don't want to mix my uh, Oreos with my Cheetos, you know. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it but hey, you know, maybe maybe that rub yeah. maybe New Garden rubs me the wrong way now because of that show, which it kind of did. Uh, and I liked him before. So, well, yeah, that's kind of how I felt too. I was kind of like, eh, he seems kind of, and I, I don't know if I'm too cynical or what, but yeah, hamming it up for the camera. Like he was kind of, I was kind of like, okay, he's definitely marketing himself. Yeah, um, which I'll I mean, good for him. Yeah. You got to have a life after this, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and he probably deserves that, but, uh, like he deserves some of the spotlight, you know. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I I think uh, it did rub me the wrong way. I kind of like guys who are a little more uh, m- not reserved but more uh, personable. You yeah. Know? I mean, well, I mean, Exhibit A is Scotty Mac. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like in in direct in direct opposition to to Joseph in that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Scotty Mack is there with his family. They're making some gross-looking tacos. Uh, <laughs> and uh, at night, you know, it was... Uh, I'm sorry, you don't do tacos that way. But... <laughs> yeah, we don't need to talk about that. But yeah, it was like definitely a different vibe. You know, yeah, like, here's his sure. family. Joseph Newgarden's like, like a little bit of family. His wife's like, eh, you know, he really likes racing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and like totally different people. It seems like mm-hmm. you know, but they're teammates. So, oh, well, it seems like they're actually friends too, which is the funny thing. Yeah, like they do seem like they actually get along very well. Which maybe it's because they're kind of different, but they might bring yeah. out the best in each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I it you know is someone who's been a fan and like you know knows a lot about them on track it was good for me too to you know get a better better sense of what they're like off the track i think that was interesting even for someone that can't gain a a ton of new information by watching this show Mm. i mean it was still like an you know worthwhile watch in my opinion i definitely and you know they talked about the finance like you know they broke down andy car to a digestible form i think Mm -hmm. Yeah. For people, which is like, hey, you know, it is about the driver, but there's also this whole financing aspect of this mm-hmm. and kind of laying it out. Uh, I'm I'm hoping there's more opportunities for them to educate people going forward mm-hmm. uh, because I need that. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I want. Uh, and maybe it's not the right. Maybe it's not the right place for that, but we'll see. I, I think it'll be a good place for like kind of the the over arching like main tenants of what IndyCar is. And obviously the Indy 500 is going to be central to that. And I mean, it seems like that's kind of where they're going with it. Um, But I do think it'll be a good place to kind of give you the big picture. Mm -hmm. The, 
the smaller stuff, the the nuances of IndyCar, I don't think you're going to get that on there. But I don't think that that's what the show is for. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ever intended it for it to be that. But they do need to make sure that they have somewhere for people to go that are drawn in by these the big picture stuff to find those details. Mm. And I, do you feel like those things exist yet? Do you feel like that stuff's out there? I think they exist, but it's kind of hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Granted, I don't, you know, I don't go to uh, like IndyCar.com or whatever every day. Mm-hmm. I probably should. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's just sometimes, you know, like, like we said before, you know, video games kind of help educate you, especially for mm-hmm. sports. There's all these other things that kind of, that's kind of how I learn how mm-hmm. sports work. Yeah. Uh, video games, books. I mean, there's stuff out there, resources I, I will dive into eventually, but uh, it's not like, oh, what's that guy doing? Let me look it up real quick. You yeah. know, because like, I don't even know the language at this point. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting because, yeah, I mean, like, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like. I mean, hopefully the video game stuff that gets figured out. Um, I I haven't seen any updates on that, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a good. If you like, I don't, I'm not on TikTok. I don't know anything about TikTok. I don't know if they're doing stuff on there. I could, you know, I am not on TikTok either. And so, you know what? I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna say most of the people watching IndyCar are not on TikTok. I um, would wholeheartedly, I have never felt more <laughs> confident in a statement in my entire life. Yeah. I would bet the house <laughs> that people who watch IndyCar are not on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, speaking of digestible, easily digestible information, um, they did set the qualifying and bumping schedules for the 500. Um, we talked What's about bumping this. schedule. <laughs> So, so i mean but well just the 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 qualifying weekend schedule basically mm-hmm. bumping is when a car knocks another car out of the race that's what bumping okay is. well yeah not yeah. literally yeah but time yeah yeah, yeah 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 um yeah bumping out of the field um mm-hmm. a car that's the slowest in the field for reference going forward it, they're on the bubble yeah just keep that in the back of your mind um but anyway so um day one on saturday on may 20th it's going to be the full field one through 33 they're going to finalize 13 through 30 um one through 12 will move on till sunday and then 31 through 34 will come back on sunday um and they will set 31 through 33 which is the last row they will have a top 12 shootout and they'll narrow that down to the top six. And then the top six will go. That'll be the very end of the day on Sunday, the 21st and that the winner of that or the fastest car of that session on Sunday will be the pole winner. Um, Tyler, what do you think of that format? <laughs> do you understand any of it? I kind of get it now, yeah. uh, but I'm not gonna lie. If I were listening to what you just said, I don't think I would understand it. Yeah. But when I look at it, it reminds me a lot of my track days where we were running multiple heats mm-hmm. and you're just trying to get uh, 
you know, you're competing against the people that you're skill level is kind of at you know especially yeah. like in middle school track they kind of do that a lot yeah uh because there's just so many kids mm-hmm. um so i can understand it uh it could probably be you know way simpler yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you don't but, say uh, <laughs> but uh you know I, I guess they're trying something they're trying I, it seems like they're trying to have multiple races throughout the day for people to get excited about you know yeah. Well, then to clarify, it's not races. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're four lap qualifying runs, which Indy is the only place they do the four lap qualifying runs. But yeah, sorry, continue. No, no, no. That's all I got. You know, I think it definitely uh, uh, it makes sense, I guess, <laughs> but it's also hard to follow. Like, I imagine people are going to be confused at the track. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I I was there. One thing I am happy about um, is that there's a little more going on on Sunday. Last year, there I don't think there was any bumping last year. Um, so it was basically on Sunday, you got there and there was like an hour of practice for the top. Like they, it was the fast nine at that point. Um, or maybe it was the fast 12. I don't know. I can't remember. Basically, there was practice for an hour and then everyone went and did one run. And that was like all you saw for the entire day, which mm. kind of felt like if I'm paying 20 bucks to get in on Saturday and then paying 20 bucks again to get on on Sunday, kind of feels like Saturday's way better value. So I do yeah. feel like that adds a little more. And with the bumping with, you know, the last row stuff. Um, but yeah, I I don't know how you can like, I'm taking someone to the track for the first time. I don't know how I'm supposed to explain that to them. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> like, well, this is what's going to happen now. And then yeah. uh, right after this, <laughs> these guys it's, are going to go. Well, that's how I feel about like the pitch clock and like, you know, the shift rules and stuff in baseball. It's like adding more rules and making things more complicated. Like, they're doing it with the motivation of drawing more people in, but like mm. it just as much as it might draw someone in that there's like bumping, it's going to push people away because they have no clue what's going on. Yeah. I I can understand that. Um, yeah. If, if it's explained a little bit better, maybe it's different. Um, but like, I do think it's exciting and I think it it's different from a strategy perspective. Uh mm-hmm. right? Because it's like okay, well, you know, if you finish in a certain category uh or you might aim to finish in a certain category and then really like put your resources towards another race or whatever, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Uh well, so, I mean everyone's putting all their resources into the 500 because of the I mean well, it's the, not... the Indy 500, but like the purse is so much bigger than all the rest of the races mm-hmm. that like they're all trying to perform as well as they possibly can for this race. So mm-hmm. there, there isn't like, I mean, the strategy is like go as fast as you can. <laughs> I, I would think that if I am like, you know, if I'm on one of those borderline numbers, like 12 mm-hmm. or 12 or 13 or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, some like you might look at it and be like, well, 
maybe it's easier if we, you know, maybe it's easier for us if we can be the best in the second group rather sure. than the last in the first group. Yeah. Um, so I, I think those conversations will be happening. Maybe not. Um, yeah. I may, but I don't know. Yeah. I, it'll be, I'm interested. So for full disclosure, we're going to be going to at least one of the days, both of us. I'll probably be at both days. If Tyler can make it down on Saturday, we'll both be there for both days. It'll be, I'll be interested to see how, like in the moment, how you're able to absorb that and understand what's going on. I mean, Mm -hmm. not to say like, I don't think you have the capability of understanding that, but. But when you're at the track, it's different. I totally understand that. Yeah. Watching a race live is totally different. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And yeah. Will I be understanding, you know, what I'm watching? Depends on how many beers I've had. But (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's always, that's always a, a very important qualifier. Yeah, there's a lot of factors into this, but I hope that I can understand. I'll do my best now. I feel like you've challenged me. Uh, you know, um, well, I'm I'm not trying to to like say you can't. I'm I'm trying to say like <laughs> they're probably making this too complicated if you can't show up at the track having not been there before mm-hmm. and not be able to figure it out. Like, yeah, they need to they need to make it so you can go and be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like that's what's going to keep people coming back. They need to be like giving away programs at the gate. (laughs) That's where that's like where this leads me to believe uh, like the best strategy for people understanding what they're watching. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they're making a lot. Are they making a lot of money on, on the qualifying weekend? Um, I mean, they're probably making some, I don't know. I, I don't think, I mean, Back in the day, they used to sell like almost as many tickets as they would for the actual race. Like you go back and look at like the seventies and eighties and pull day, it's full. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, they've gradually like scaled back where you can sit and you know how many concession stands are open and that kind of stuff. Um, I do feel like there I, there was kind of a stretch where I wasn't going to qualifying, um, but. Last year on Sunday, despite there only being like two hours of on-track activity, there was a great crowd. It was, I was impressed. We were, you know, sitting up in standee and it was, it was pretty full up there. So, I mean, I do think people are interested in it and, you know, I mean, winning the poll for the Indy 500 is a big deal. There's not that yeah. many people who've done that. Um, It's a big notch in the cap. If you've... I guess feather in the cap. <laughs> Not notch in the belt. <laughs> Not yes. <laughs> to, to yeah, to to, to yeah. mesh idioms there, but yeah, it's it's a feather in the cap to win the five hundred. It's a big deal. Or to well, yeah, to win the five hundred. But win the poll for the five hundred. It's a big deal. Yeah, win the poll. Yeah, you could always be like I won the poll, man. That was a um, mess. But like a guy like Greg Ray, who you've probably never heard of, Tyler, right? Nope. Nope. Greg Ray. Have you heard of Juan Montoya? Yeah, I've heard of Juan Montoya. Yeah, Juan Montoya, IndyCar driver, F1 driver, mm-hmm. NASCAR driver. In my opinion, one of the best drivers of all time. Got beat for the pole in 2000 by Greg Ray, the old Texan from the <laughs> IRL. <laughs> like, Greg Ray's got an Indy 500 pole. 
Juan Montoya does not, you know? Yeah. So it's like a big deal. Down in the history books, man. Yeah. Sorry. I went off on a little. No, you needed to get that out. I could tell. I did. Um, Poll is important. Um, Yeah. So I'm excited to be there with you, man, to to watch it happen. Uh, Hope the crowd is good. Hope there's some craziness going on. Hope people are having a good time. Mm -hmm. Um, But mostly just excited to see some racing live again. Yeah. I'm excited for you. It's. I started going to pole day when I was a kid. That's what got me into it. So yeah, it's, it's a great introduction. Granted back then it was a lot simpler. <laughs> yeah. It was who goes fastest is on the pole. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean this, you know, this could still be something that hooks people like it did for me. So, yeah. And I'm hoping, I mean, I, I do think you're already kind of hooked, but I do think this is what solidifies, or I do hope this is what it, what solidifies it for you. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think it will. Um, you know, and before that race, there is the Indianapolis Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to explain this to me because we saw the Gallagher Grand Prix there. <laughs> so yeah. what, what's the difference here? So the it's the GMR Grand Prix. It's had various names over the years. Um, is the month of May road race in Indianapolis? So, um, in 2014 they added this road race um, as an additional event, and so th- that weekend used to be the first weekend of qualifying. Uh, Mother's Day weekend was usually pole day that Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but they condensed the qualifying schedule mostly, I think, because of cost and like time for the teams. Um, but the track still wanted the revenue from people showing up and everything. And obviously, a race is probably going to draw a little more people than just qualifying. So, um, they added the what is now the GMR Grand Prix, and they had that, like I said, since 2014. Um, in 2020 a handful of races got canceled. So they added in a second road race at Indianapolis to kind of supplement the diminished schedule for 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, And they ran it. I believe that first year was in tandem with the Brickyard 400. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Which I don't think was not a NASCAR historian by any means. Um, but I think that was the first year that NASCAR ran on the road course. Also, someone would have to fact check me on that one, but, um, so yeah, they added that just as a supplement to the NASCAR weekend. Hmm. And, um, it continued on from there. Um, so it's just some, something they picked up during COVID and didn't put it back down the Gallagher Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah, they were yeah. basically like, well, we've got, you know. We're here. <laughs> yeah. Although, maybe I'm remembering it wrong. Maybe maybe that was essentially like the, uh, maybe that was essentially the like the GMR, like the May race. Yeah, yeah. Flipped it. Okay, yeah. So it was. But then they kept it for, like they kept it for 2021. Because okay. they did have a second race in 2020. That one was the Harvest Grand Prix. They ran in, it was in October. 
on the IMS road course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that was um so we got Gallagher. We got Yeah. So 2020 it, it, was the Nat like that was Nat the NASCAR weekend. So yeah. they kind of made it a doubleheader. Okay. So yeah. That's why there's two races and they've kept it around for a couple of years. That was a very long winded way of explaining that, but not good. Yeah. So um, we'll see. I don't know. I, it makes sense to have two races in Indianapolis because that's where the majority of the fans are. Yeah. Um, And also it adds some value for the NASCAR folks. It just feels like there's three races. For me, I mean, you got the Indy 500, you got the Gallagher, and you got Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, for the drivers, doesn't that get a little boring sometimes? Uh, I mean, I, obviously, like, the oval is way different than well, the road yeah, course. Well, yeah, it's a totally different thing. But... Um, yeah, having two, I think, could probably go away. Um, if they're, especially if they're able to find another track. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't mind so much, like, if they didn't, like having two races in Indianapolis isn't that big of a deal to me. Um, three is a little much. Like if 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 they went back to two weekends of qualifying and then moved, had like the road course in the middle of the summer, like the Gallagher Grand Prix, that would be ideal for me, in my opinion. Um, three, yeah, it's probably a little much. Um, but I don't know where else they would go. So if they want 17 races in a season, it's kind of... Yeah, it seems like they want to add. Anything they want to add a race. So, yeah. although now at this point, I don't know if they would like be cool with, because like Roger Penske owns the track and the series, so the money's kind of all going to the same place. They don't have to pay like worry about a sanctioning fee or anything like that. Um, so I mean, this I is interesting. Uh, value in it because it does come back to the series you know the the the, you know sponsorship money and the gate money and everything else Mm -hmm. so i don't know i don't know maybe roger just wants more money for his team probably i mean the the dude is all about money he's (laughs) i mean he's like one of the all-time great businessmen started selling cars he was like racing and then was like well I got to take selling cars seriously. <laughs> so he quit racing <laughs> and focused on his dealership business and turned it into like a multi-billion dollar organization. Yeah. And now you can rent the trucks and, uh, you know, no. accidentally uh, scrape the side of a car in the city of Chicago. <laughs> Sounds like something from personal experience. No, not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you have to say shout out to AAA cuz you get a uh uh a discount with Penske truck rentals for those who aren't aware. Really that's my they're... consumer advice for this episode. If you want a discount on moving trucks. There you go. Cool. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Um nothing off the top of my head, man. I feel like we covered quite a bit. Yeah, we did. Um, you know, I think you want to shoot to be back here next week talking about. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a, a preview of the, the GMR Indiana. Grand Prix, the NDGP. Um, hopefully we'll have some qualifying previews and recap um, because Tyler will be there in person. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, big month of May coming up. I'm excited. I hope you are too. Yeah. Yeah. You, no, I'm very excited, man. Do you feel the gravity of May? Like do, I, as soon as that calendar flips, I get excited. I, I'm curious if you feel that yet. So this is nothing, nothing to do with any car, but my first love is star Wars. And <laughs> it, for me, may is star Wars, yeah. uh, you know, uh, but will I be at a star Wars convention when the Indy 500 is happening? Yeah. But I'll probably be watching the Indy 500 at the <laughs> convention. <laughs> like, unfortunately, that's just the way things worked out this year. Uh, yeah. I will prioritize Indy f- over, over that uh eventually but if uh if you want to reach out to us for any comments that we had today feel free to uh shoot us an email at 16 street pod at gmail tweet at us shoot us a dm at 16 street pod on twitter uh we are the 16 street scanner uh that's aj i'm tyler uh leave us a you know a nice review if you could and subscribe and shout out to punny wishes for our intro and outro music cool that's all i got bye Who's gonna win it?